What the fuck is up, world? Bialy Tlaltik Pak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. Se ha dicho. Coming back, following it up. Two weeks. You know how it be. I told you before. Said it again plenty of times. Try to keep up with this shit once a week, but little bit of low riding this time around okay low riding is some shit that i'm gonna get into probably with the next podcast because somebody on uh, youtube commented and i appreciate the fucking comment trust doc i ain't fucking forget about you okay um wanted to talk a little bit about Aslan. so i'm gonna have to get on that shit on the Aslan, right because um i'm kind of not getting bored with this but i kind of want to move on to some different shit and just i just want to keep expanding dog. i don't want to keep limited to just one thing okay and the conspiracy thing is much the same as the whole fucking modernism slash pre, uh, post-modernism which even though this episode is entirely fucking <laughs> along that trajectory with both right it's like a merger if you will between the conspiratory shit and the fucking uh, modernism slash post-modernism debate um i also want to continue to expand onto other shit right and i haven't talked about the chicano chicana chicanex uh, identity in a while so that that comment that was left on me i wish i could remember the name dog my bad I, i'm not trying to i'm not trying to slight you you know what i mean but um the comment by the person who said they were interested in learning about aslan in general like that inspired me to want to venture out a little bit into a little bit more of the chicanex identity so <laughs> following this particular episode dog i got you homeboy for sure okay uh, but for now uh, i want to continue along or probably not <sighs> Not wrap up because I still got a little bit more to go along with this modernism uh, slash conspiratory shit. I mean, the, the, the modernism slash uh, postmodernism uh, uh, trajectory, that's still like fucking long ways in the making. I haven't even gotten to Jordan Peterson yet, dog. Okay. In fact, in the interest of full disclosure, I haven't even fucking cracked the book open. <laughs> okay. So uh, I still got to do all the research for that, for that particular segment of that podcast series. Right. But uh, I'm, I haven't even gotten into the uh, the, the postmodernism, really, I'm going to do so a little bit right here today by way of the uh, philosophy of Foucault. Okay. But I mean, what I'm trying to say is that I, I'm not, I'm not going to completely forget about the, about that trajectory. Okay. It's just, I'm taking my time with it. I'm not trying to fucking just force it out there. As I, as I talked about in the very beginning of the year with the, with the episode 50, where I said, you know, part of the process, part of the process that was revealed to me, if you will, by the ancestors is that you got to take your time with this shit, which is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm not in no rush. Okay. So There'll be a lot of deviations here and there, but trust that the central gist will still remain focused around that. Okay, so uh, yeah. Uh, before I get into the, the the real shit for this particular episode, let's get some quick formalities out of the way. If you haven't already, follow your boy OG underscore Ice Nice thirteen on the gram and OG dot Ice Nice thirteen as well as the backup. You could find me somewhere along the similar vein on Twitter, though I don't really use it, and uh, Facebook. Okay, <laughs> and obviously YouTube is on there as well, right? Um, so yeah, let's just get into it, dog, because I got a fuckload of shit to talk about today. 11 pages, right? Try to keep it short at 11 pages. I actually have to stop uh, researching just so I can try to cap it. I try to cap these bitches out at 10 pages because 10 pages is about an hour long. Um, and I mean, I could have just kept going. I could have just kept going because the philosophy of Foucault in general is just so deep and so complex that <laughs> it's just, uh, it's it's kind of like the whole post. It's, I, I hate to use this language because people who are really versed in it are going to listen to this and be like, motherfucker, you don't know what you're talking about. Bitch, yes, I do. Shut the fuck up, okay? But I'm trying to teach it and so I'm trying to talk about it in such a way, rather, where people who are not, you know, deeply invested in the philosophy, in philosophy in general, let alone postmodernist philosophy, they can, you know, understand it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, what I'm trying to say is like, Foucault doesn't really necessarily consider himself a postmodernist, but he does have a little bit of that postmodernist uh uh, uh, inclination where they just kind of like just bouncing left and right. They just, they assume like most philosophers do, honestly, 
uh, prior knowledge of what the fuck they're talking about, right? So they'll just like change directions really quickly and assume that you're already fucking familiar with the direction and where they're going and, the, you know, and what it is that they're talking about. And uh, that's kind of like what I'm, if you kept up with my podcast long enough, you know, that's kind of what I do too. But again, your boy, not a postmodernist, a Nahuat might, Nahuat predates all postmodern, uh, postmodernist shit. Anyways, um, <laughs> more long-winded shit, okay? Uh, let's just get to it, dog. Let's get to the point. The point is following up on the previous podcast episode, Iron Sky, talking about the Nazis in World War II, okay? With this particular podcast, I, I ended that podcast because it was fucking long as fuck. That one was 13 pages long, uh, 13, 14 pages long, right? So I try to cap this bitch at fucking <laughs> at, at about 10 pages to try to keep it short, okay? So I'm going to pick up a little bit there. And then I'm going to have to cap it again because as I was researching, like I was talking about, it was just it just goes off in so many different directions. And I want to maintain like something of a, of a linear focus, right? So uh, anyways, going back to the previous episode of the podcast, uh, the Iron Sky episode, I believe 61, uh, I, I left it off talking about how I'm not just going to leave you hanging with this fucking, with, with these quote unquote conspiracy theories. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's philosophical foundation for it, dog. And this episode is dedicated slightly because again, there's so much more to talk about that I'll get to inevitably. But this particular episode is dedicated to the philosophical foundations, if you will, for all the fucking seemingly outlandish conspiracies that I talked about in the previous episode of the podcast. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I guess the best way to start it, dog, is by talking about the meme that's very popular, Foucault meme. Okay. And it's of the crow who's doing like an open mic at a stand up spot. And uh, he's getting booed because he says something along the lines of schools are a prison. Okay. And then it's like in the audience, someone or something is shouting, boo, get better material. Right. To which the crow starts fucking panicking because you don't have better material. The only material that he has is like schools are like prisons. Uh, military is like prisons. Uh, pro- hospitals are like prisons and so on and so forth. And that's just a very, it's a hilarious yet fucking reductive view of uh, Foucault, uh, Foucauldian philosophy. Right. Um, so I guess the best way to get into this kind of shit then is to just examine exactly what they're talking about when they say like, yo, yo, the military is like prison, right? And by that logic, then prison is itself kind of like the military. So <laughs> the questions then are as follows. How, how did both of these institutions arise? Because obviously our understanding of what both a prison and a military is are structured, if you will, by the historical forces that led to our current you know, material conditions. That's kind of what the Marxists are going to want to say. Uh, I shouldn't even say Marxist. I should say the dialectical materialist because, I, you know, it, it is what it is. Anyway, even though the dialectical materialists and the postmodernists, they don't necessarily see eye to eye. That's kind of the best way to that's kind of the best way to summate, in my opinion, kind of where we, we stand, because obviously I'm not a modernist and I don't believe in this teleological process. The teleology here, of course, being the end goal, if you will. Right. I believe more in the fact that our our uh, current situation is structured by the material conditions that, you know, history has found ourselves in. So the, the, the class struggle, if you will, between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. And uh, that's kind of where they're going to go along with this idea that they're going to say the postmodernist, that that's also where our ideas as, a, you know, of what structures these institutions or these sites of control, if you will, to use the Foucauldian language, that's, that's also where they arise from. So what I'm saying then is that our ideas are what shape the world that we live in. That's kind of a little bit of the idealist uh, perspective. But that world is itself structured by the fucking material conditions, which in turn influence the ideas. So it's kind of like this vicious circle is the point that I'm trying to get to. Okay. And the point then in order in, 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 in trying to continue along this thought process is to ask ourselves how the correlation between both and everyday life, realistically, uh, how, how they relate. Okay. And more importantly, I suppose, to you know remain faithful to the occult, if you will, how they manage to remain hidden. <laughs> now. Imp- uh, implicit in this idea is 
the idea of prison planet, dog. That, that, that's I'm, I mean, I'm always yapping on about it, dog, and I'll I'll continue to forever do so. And I get it. Like it sounds crazy, maybe, until we deep deep deeper into the philosophical roots, and we realize that the same structures, if you will, the same sites of control uh, that gave rise to both prison and the military industri- industrial complexes here in the United States of America, but the Western world as a whole. They're the exact same structures, the, 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 same, the exact same uh, uh, sites of control that give rise to all, that gave rise, I should say, to all of Western culture. Like they're intimately related, bro. And that's kind of the idea here with this Foucauldian philosophy is he's going to he's going to he's going to subvert this idea, not subvert, but he's going to uh, um, he's going to dig past. I say dig past because he's really big into what he refers to as archaeology, which I'll talk about. I'm going to talk about all about. It, OK, just not in this episode because this ain't the one, homeboy. Um, but his whole thing is like archaeology. So if I use the language, because remember, again, this philosophy is like a tool, dog, and the tools you have like intellectual tools the same way as you have the actual physical tools, right? So uh, the language here, the archaeology is like he's digging past these assumptions that these uh, institutions and these sites of control are ready-made institutions in the sense that they're just given to us without any sort of presupposition. And he's saying, nah, dog, that's not what's happening. In fact, there's plenty of presuppositions behind these ideas and it's a sites of control. And uh, it's in... And those presuppositions that we tend to overlook where the real damage is done. Okay. So his whole idea then is going to be, we got to, uh, uh, we got to dig past these. We got to dig through these in order to expose them for what they really are. Right. Cause you know, we talk often about building new and better worlds, but the reality is in doing so we're going to forever, it's going to forever be impossible. So long as the foundation of this world remains unexamined. So you want to build a new, better world. You got to dig through the foundation. You got to dig through the the, the pre-assumed uh, givenness of the world that we're living in and examine the foundation for what it is, right? And that's where this interesting parallel, again, between conspiracy theorists and this post-modernist philosophy tends to emerge, that I found at least, okay? Whether the academic dorks up in institutional academia agree, that's, I can give a fuck less. Me personally, okay? Now, uh, for the conspiracy theorists, right? The quote-unquote conspiracy theorists, the idea that we are living on a prison planet, it's not really that shocking or revelatory, dog. Like, this is like, you tell us to a fucking, just like a, your average run-of-the-mill conspiracy theorist, and they'll be like, well, yeah, of course. And the reason why, obviously, is because, you know, this may be bias on my behalf, but I feel as though it's because they've managed to see past the facade, okay, of conventional society, and they understand both how deeply encroached upon our freedom is by institutional forces, as well as how deeply fucking hidden this fact is for you know the variety of reasons that you might find whether it's because of a cultish practice whether it's because they're being we're, we're being collectively brainwashed you fucking collect you can come to your own conclusion okay of why you think that is but what i'm saying is in a nutshell exactly this is what the postmodernists are saying and while they may stop short at the reptilian overlord fluoridated water and death vaccine talk they absolutely will agree that we you know as individual people are beholden to these forces in such a way that the entirety of our identity and, you know, that of others is manipulated and controlled by these institutional forces, man, by these sites of control. So the beef then, if any, it tends to fall on the philosophical side. But, you know, again, I'm not at all sure why, as upon further inspection, we find that even the most quote unquote fringe of conspiracy theories, they're, they're openly discussed, dog, in institutional academia. Now, I'm speaking here specifically, again, of Mikhail Foucault, right? The fucking patron saint of the radical regressive left, bro. That's everything that's been unfolding in society can be traced directly back to like the last 30 years of academia. And the last 30 years of academia, bro, have been 
he's the fucking he's like the the capstone he's the patron saint now as i mentioned it before the shit that makes it so fucking hilarious is that this is the very same radical regressive left that has gone out of its way dog to demonize and deplatform people who are you know speaking this faculty of knowledge from the obvious angle that they are accustomed to and perhaps more importantly even familiar with i say more importantly because it's easy to cherry pick dog it's easy to be a philosopher quote unquote who cherry picks shit it's, it's easy to be somebody who cherry picks ideas that you know benefit them the real shit comes though when you start to fucking actually embrace the totality of the, of the tradition which is exactly the exact opposite of what these leftist fucks are doing because you know Foucault for all his you know <laughs> all the benefits that he's given these people he's got some deeply deeply fucking held beliefs that motherfuckers like Alex Jones have been talking about for the last 30 years dog so you know again this irony all the time on the gram it bears repeating dog that it's they these liberals okay these liberal lefty fucks yo they have become the very same thing that they are lashing out against and the irony of them being oblivious to this fact by way of the very philosophers that they have used to inform the vast majority of their opinions is just it's too much to overlook dog. i just can't overlook it right now if you ask me it's not by accident, dog. This irony isn't by accident, as it ultimately harkens back to a recurring theme I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, and that is that of epistemologies and ontologies, right? Now, uh, rather than go deeply into it, as I already have in other episodes, I'm gonna just keep it a buck fifty with you, dog, and I'm gonna just tell you straight up: white people, white people are too deeply committed to the epistemology that created this current world that we're seeking to escape from in the first place. And because of that, no matter what y'all motherfuckers come up with, it's just, it's, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be divisive or not, but or nothing, but it's just this world that, you know, we're living in now was your creation, your ancestors' creation. And the only way we're going to escape it is by, in my opinion, indigenizing. But if you ask, I'm sure an Asian person, they'll say by embracing their worldview, an Indian person from like the subcontinent of India, sub Southeastern uh asian continent of india right they'll tell you their view whatever but i know for a fact that the one we're currently living in is a result of the western european folks and the judeo-christian values and it's just it's not working dog it's quite literally impossible dog and the reason being again is these terministic screens that i've talked about in the past no need getting into them if you want to hear all about them go peep the previous fucking episodes right uh, but the basic gist, again, is that European culture in general and specifically this christian english culture in this particular instance is structured entirely around discipline and punishment, dog. <laughs> and thus, even the most seemingly progressive of ideas will always center around this dichotomy, right? Um, it's why, again, the best method the radical left has of dealing with people they don't agree with is to punish them, right? Uh, how do they punish them? By deplatforming them. And the irony, of course, is that unlike their conservative right counterparts, they generally lack the physical strength to be able to silence people, dog. The conservative right, they have no problem resorting to fucking, you know, physical violence. Um, the left, the progressive, quote unquote, progressive left, dog, is a bunch of little bitch ass soy boys. Ain't nobody afraid of these motherfuckers, right? Uh, and no one's going to take them seriously when it comes to some natural law type shit. So instead, they rely on the one thing they have constructed an entire identity around allegedly seeking to dismantle institutional authority because again who needs physical strength when you can just deplatform somebody right now the interesting part about this is that the folk remain alive which i suppose is a courtesy that the conservative right counterparts scarcely afforded their opposition in the past right but again in the digital era dog deplatforming somebody is something of a de, uh, as a uh, de facto death sentence homeboy especially if they make their living off fucking social media right 
And even if they don't make their living off social media, dog, with this continued march towards digital passports, because if you're not fucking seeing the trajectory, dog, you're just willfully fucking ignorant at this point. We're clearly going fucking completely digital, dog. They're tanking the fucking market right now because they're to make room for the digital currencies. They're going to fucking make the digital fucking passports a thing, right? It's happening, okay? So this is only going to be amplified, the importance of deplatforming people. Shout out to Ron uh, DeSantis from Florida who just fucking banned deplatforming, right? Uh, this needs to be something that is fucking embraced by all people because, you know, censorship is a fucking key component or rather the ability to, you know, speak freely. That's a foundational element of this fucking settler colonial country that we're living in for better or worse, right? Now, um, when it comes to the digital passport shit, I mean, come on, dog, you only need to play a little game theory and figure out that, you know, today it starts with removing people for quote unquote hate speech from Twitter. And tomorrow though, it's going to be freezing their bank account just in the name of social justice, right? Like in the name of fucking black lives matter, we're going to freeze your bank account because you said some shit that we don't agree with. Right. And, you know, in a progressively cashless society, a frozen bank account puts you in an uncomfortable position of either submitting entirely to authority irrespective of how regressive and absurd it may be or either being at the mercy of those who are willing to break you off with some crumbs in order to ensure that you don't fucking survive that in order that you don't starve to death right because the grocery shop you know your ability to shop for groceries rather has been removed because they just you know they froze your bank account they fucking froze your little chip or whatever <laughs> and you know because of that you're going to be left at the will of people who are even going to break you off a little bit of their food rations or you're going to starve to death because that's 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 how this shit ends dog it's it's not hard to see the writing on the wall just play a little bit of game theory read a little bit of history and realize that it always boils down ultimately to power and control right which is where we get to the discipline and punishment element of this Foucauldian philosophy so yeah dog um my approach to this philosophy shit might differ completely right when it comes to these institutional academic dorks but ultimately our results they end in the same whether they want to embrace that or not, because it implies embracing everything that Alex Jones and the fucking folk have been talking about, the underground has been talking about for so long. I don't give a fuck. That's a complete different story, right? But at the foundation, right? <laughs> this is exactly what Foucault is talking about with his, with his insights into discipline and punishment. So the basic gist is essentially is that everything, again, yeah, it is a prison, dog, including this fucking planet because prison motherfucking planet, baby, Okay. Again, the meme of the little fucking, <laughs> of the little, uh, the little crow. It makes me laugh every time, right? Because in its most reductive form, it is pretty silly. But once we start digging into it, dog, we realize the uncomfortable fact that dismissing these views are, you know, they're prisons in and of themselves. It's a mental prison to just immediately dismiss the views of other people that you don't agree with, okay? Um, so yeah, when it comes to Foucault, dog, you know, he's got his own shit. Like, he's, this, this motherfucker's not a saint. This is what I'm going to just fucking go out right and say. In fact, I hate talking about this motherfucker because he was a pedophile, dog. Okay? Uh, I, I, I only fucking talk about him because he's the, the one link to quote-unquote legitimacy in academic philosophy. But aside from that, the dude was a piece of shit. Okay? And I'll talk all about that some other time. Okay? But uh, the point that I'm trying to make here is like these academic fucks, they try to put themselves up in this privileged position like they're so, you know, holier than now. But you motherfuckers... You're worshiping a pedophile, not just Foucault, Socrates, Plato, all those ancient Greek fucks, right? They're all pedophiles, dog. So you could fuck off and miss me with all that holier than now bullshit, right? But for what it's worth, this dude did come up with some important insights, right? Like at least he was the one that was able to properly articulate them is what I should say more importantly in a way because he had the privilege to be able to do so. And uh, 
one of those insights is this great quote that states that the power to punish is not essentially different from the power uh, uh, of educating and of curing. And that shit has always resonated with me, dog, for the obvious reason that I myself am obviously, in fact, for you know the time being, a teacher, okay? Um, and to dig into a little bit, a, l- a little bit deeper into this, <laughs> the teacher part, right? He's often labeled, again, I should say, before I get to the teacher part, I'll, I'll, I'll emphasize here again what I talked about in the beginning, how Foucault, he's often labeled as a postmodernist, but he's one, it, that's a label that he himself and I, I'm not entirely committed, and I'm sure he, I know he wasn't either, uh, to ascribing to himself, right? And <laughs> while inevitably, I, I assure you, this postmodernist podcast is on deck for now, a basic working generalization is their insistence that all human actions are bound to and thus determined by the institutional forces or the sites of control, to use the Foucauldian language, that construct and thus determine our lives, right? So this is just like a very fancy fucking way of saying that, or better, a better explanation will be an example, and that is why these radical lefty motherfuckers are so insistent on dismantling these institutions and replacing them with new ones, right? Because these institutions, these sites of control, the postmodernists are going to want to say are what design, construct, and thus determine our behavior, right? Uh, so what they're going to say then is that this is why they talk about like all cops are bastards. And I'll get into that shit right now, right? Because they're going to say all cops are bastards because they uphold this settler colonial country and all that kind of shit. So even if you're a quote unquote good cop, you're still a fucking bad cop and thus a bastard because you're upholding and perpetuating this fucking evil empire and all that kind of shit, right? Now, I don't entirely disagree. There's a lot of fucking reasons why I do disagree. And we'll talk about that here shortly. But for now, <laughs> to be fair, I have to emphasize again that I don't entirely disagree. But I'll further emphasize that the problem is not in the desire to replace these archaic institutions because, yeah, dog, policing in its current form needs to be fucking, it needs to be revamped. Like, there's just no doubt about it. There's no question about it, right? But rather, my beef is that, again, White European Judeo Christian culture cannot be the one to replace it. And it doesn't matter if that culture is being perpetuated by actual white skinned people or black people, brown people, it doesn't matter. As long as they maintain the, the, the brown and black community, the values and the virtues of these Western Judeo Christian people, like it doesn't fucking matter, dog. It's just white Christianity, white uh, Western culture and brown skin. Okay. <laughs> this is why motherfuckers end up with Biden and Harris for fuck's sake and think that you've made progress despite all the obvious fucking evidence to the contrary, okay? Um, it's What I'm trying to say again is that the beef is not with, you know, the uh, the postmodernist insistence that we got to dis- dismantle these institutions. My beef is that <laughs> Western culture, dog, in general, it lacks the ability to build this new world. And worse yet, y'all motherfuckers just refuse to step aside and let us indigenous folk do our thing because to do so right, to do so would require for you to set aside the pretense that you're fucking not racist, despite the back, the fact that you're every bit you being these lefty liberal fucks, little Biden supporters and shit, right? Little soy boys who think that, you know, Alex Jones is the most evil Nazi in the world and uh, Donald Trump and company, okay? To recognize that your culture is wrong and that you need to fucking step aside and make way for those that have better ideas, it requires you to put your pretense aside and realize that you're just as con- you're just as fucking racist, dog, as your conservative counterparts. Okay, and that's why it's so fucking. They just they just refuse to do so. Anyways, to continue along, the reason why I personally don't agree with this is because again, I find it to be a very very reductive view. 
namely in that it strips us of any agency we may possess. Dub, you hear that just by operating within an institution, you are suddenly beholden to its fucking desires, right? So by saying, again, that we are bound to the whims of institutional forces, you're basically saying that we have no free will and thus will always act in accordance to the end goals of the state, the state with a capital S, like the United States of America, right? The government, okay? Uh, <laughs> that you're, you're saying that by not having any free will, we will always act in accordance to the end goals of this state, right? That is made up of these collective institutions like the police, the military, religion, fucking culture, morals, and values, and all that kind of shit, right? Now, <laughs> again, this is why these motherfuckers are always talking about all cops are bastards and shit. And again, while I don't entirely disagree, you know, I'm just saying like a fucking... I'm not simping for the police, dog. I'm just saying, like, maybe, maybe not all cops are bastards. That's kind of a logical fallacy to begin with, okay? It's called a hasty generalization. If you've studied any fucking introduction of philosophy, you've probably heard of it, right? Um, so what I'm saying is that I don't entirely disagree, dog, but I do find the irony in the fact that a bunch of first world shitlords are making such broad and blanket statements about one particular group of people that represent one of the many institutions that comprise the American state in this particular instance, the police, right? While completely fucking ignoring the fact that they themselves, yes, you, me too, okay? Let's keep it 100, dog. Make up the very state that is responsible for most of the material. And when I say material, I mean political, financial, ecological, etc. problems around the world. Now, at this part, some people are going to be like, yo, what the fuck? I'm not responsible for the ecological dilemmas. It's the majority of the uh, of the global warming is the result of a, uh, of a few handful of corporations to which I'll say, I fucking agree. But the only reason these corporations are so prominent is because people like you and I continue to enable them, right? Through our fucking dollars, dog. It's capitalism, bro. It's basic common sense, right? Again, this constant de fucking desire to not take any responsibility for our actions. And that's this, uh, this, uh, uh, this idea then that we're subject uh, to nothing more, that we're basically mechanistic forces operating within an institution, uh, it does that very thing. It strips us of our agency, it strips us of our free will, and more importantly, it strips, it strips us of our responsibility. And I'm not with that shit, dog, right? In the name of logical consistency, yeah, all cops are bastards. But if you're going to go down that road, then all Americans are bastards too, dog, you included. You left your liberal fuck, right? Just ask the child working in the fucking mines of Africa, dog. Ask the ladies working in the Chinese sweatshops to put together our fucking iPhones, right? And ask every other person of every other identity around the world, bro, that is toiling away to provide us American fucking pigs the luxuries necessary to continue living our privileged first world lives, dog. That's the motherfucker. That's the subaltern, dog. Those are the others. Those are what the fuck these all these academic folks were initially talking about. Not some fucking asshole on social media that doesn't have to worry about where they're going to get clean food or where they're going to get water from because they live in the United States and it's readily available to even the most fucking disenfranchised of people. Like, come on, dog. It's all about agency, homeboy. Agency. And if you feel some type of way about this statement, ideally, ideally, you would like to think that you have the ability to alter it somehow, which is why I don't necessarily agree with this pre uh, postmodernist logic that our actions are bound to the whims of institutional forces. Because if it does, if it is, then you have no free will, dog, and you're always going to be a first world shitlord. So you might as well shut the fuck up and just accept the fact that you're just a virtue signaling piece of shit. Now, me personally, obviously, 
when it comes to partaking in first world American life, I, I, you know, if I, if I want to bring this podcast, I don't have a choice to do so. The podcast itself was facilitated by these conflict minerals. I'm going to fucking create it on a device that was facilitated by conflict minerals, you know, premiere through this laptop, right? I'm going to share it on a fucking iPhone. Like if I want to do all that, I have no choice but to partake in this fucking first world American life. Okay. Which obviously I have chosen to do because if I didn't, you wouldn't be getting this information, dog. <laughs> and yes, following the postmodernist logic, that absolutely means that I myself personally have the blood of the people toiling away around the world, right? I have their blood on my hands for doing so. Now, I personally would like to think that admitting this, at least admitting this, makes me slightly, just slightly less repulsive than these radical lefty fucks who are out here entirely lost in space, dog, to do so themselves. Like, they'll never admit this themselves. Like, they don't see the irony in the fact that they're partaking in this culture, that they're allegedly the oppressed victims. Allegedly, because I'm sorry, dog, but you're really not. Can the subaltern speak? As Gayatri Spivak is some fucking asshole with access to the internet on a fucking smart device in the United States of America is the uh, subaltern that she was talking about and she'll fucking spit in your face, dog. And rightfully so, because you're not the subaltern, dog. The subaltern, according to her specifically, because she is an Indian woman from the sub, uh, sub Southeastern Asian subcontinent of India, is the Indian woman who is living in rural in the rural villages as a farmer who doesn't fucking have the ability to read and is subject to the fucking oppressive caste system of India. That's who the fuck she's talking about. She's not talking about some fucking asshole with colored hair, dog, here in the United States of America. Like, let's get that shit straight, right? Uh, and your ability to admit otherwise, it's not really making a difference to the workers of the world, despite how fucking grandiose you fathom yourself to be. Now, in terms of teaching, <laughs> I like to think that I have a little bit of more leeway than just fucking being subjected to the institutional forces of the sites of control that I that I that I operate within, right? Because I have to think this, dog, because that's the only way that I can rid myself of this karmic debt inherent with living within this fucking Western culture, right? Again, that is because the power to punish is not essentially different from the power of curing or educating. Now, I'm not gonna speak on the curing part, dog, because I'm not a fucking doctor, right? Medical doctor. But I will say that if you really think a vaccine and a mask are the only cure for COVID, <laughs> then you've probably already fallen victim to the punishment endorsed by these doctors, dog. Okay. Now, in terms of teaching, I could absolutely, without fucking question, dog, be one of those teachers that gives zero fucks about their job and the responsibility that it entails, right? I could easily be one of those teachers that mindlessly teaches government-sanctioned propaganda <laughs> without a care for the detrimental effects that doing so will have on the students and our collective future, okay? But generally, I don't. I say generally because, dog, I'm fucking human, okay? And sometimes I'm fucking, you know, life is happening and I go into work and I'm just like, well, I haven't, you know, gone into physical campus, thanks COVID, in over a year and a half now. But prior to COVID and hopefully following this fucking summer, you know, there were times where I'll admit it to you, dog, you got a fucking life is happening and you go into work, you go into a class, teach a class, it's an hour and a half class or maybe a three hour class in the evening on a Thursday night. And you're just not entirely fucking, you know, there. And sometimes you just, you just go through the motions, you teach the shit that's from the textbook and you get through the day. Right. But for the most part, dog, I do go in there. I do go in there and try to think to myself like, yo, the power to fucking punish is not different from the power to cure or educate dog. Right. Um, and the, that, that, that's what it ultimately boils down to, dog, is, is power. Again, as I talked about before, power and control, right? 
power and the exercise thereof, how it has shaped Western culture and ultimately morphed along the process of doing so. When I'm teaching in a classroom, dog, I have the power to slightly, slightly with every student, every class, every semester, every year that I've been teaching, right? Slightly alter the trajectory of this fucking Western culture that we're all beholden to simply by fucking birth, right? No fucking claim to, you know, no other claim to the, uh, the, the responsibility I have for this world other than I was born into this bitch against my will, right? Um, and that's kind of where the foundation for this Foucauldian ideas of discipline and punish, that's, that's the name of this book, right? Discipline and punish that I'll be talking about. Uh, that's kind of what he's talking about, right? He's telling us there was, he, okay, let's just, let's just get into it, Doug. He speaks to us of these two historical events, okay? The first of which <laughs> was a pretty detailed example from the annals of uh, a history detailing an event on, that occurred on January 5th, 1787. And what happened is there was this French soldier dog who was drawn and quartered, okay, for allegedly attempting to murder the king back in that time, right? He says allegedly because according to the fucking soldier, he was just trying to fucking scare the king. But whatever, like they found him guilty of attempted regicide and they drawed and quartered that motherfucker. They pulled him apart piece by uh, limb by limb, okay? And Foucault, de- like there's like, like a historical account of like what happened and Foucault starts this fucking section detailing it in like gruesome detail, Okay. And then he like quickly shifts over to a second story that occurred 80 years later, still in Paris, right? But now it's, it's still an annals from his, it's still like from the annals of history. But instead of a detailed account of the torture of drawing and qu- uh, quartering, it was rules instead, quote unquote, these rules for young inmates in a Parisian prison. Okay. This was in 1837, which revolved around manual labor and education. <laughs> It's funny to me. Hopefully, you can already see the trajectory in which this is going, like the indoctrination camps and all that kind of shit. Like, it's just, it's right there, dog. But, you know, like, we got to crawl where we ball, baby. So we'll get there slowly but surely, right? The point that Foucault is trying to highlight here is the appearance of progress, right? Now, in terms of the former, the drawing and quartering, although it's exemplified the punishment that's typical of European history, it did occur during the quote unquote enlightenment, right? this time of alleged high culture in the West. And for the people that was living in that time, it was shocking and horrifying enough to prompt criticism, enough criticism that, you know, inevitably helped pave the way for this newer, quote unquote, gentler form of punishment. Now, I say allegedly this alleged enlightenment because these motherfuckers were not enlightenment, okay? These motherfuckers were not enlightened at all. Again, more Western Christian European propaganda, bro. These are the same motherfuckers these allegedly enlightened individuals responsible for the quote-unquote enlightenment of humanity that were decimating the indigenous population here on Turtle Island, okay? These are the same quote-unquote enlightened fuckheads that were enslaving West Africans, okay? So you can miss me with all that fucking bourgeoisie propaganda bullshit. Anyways, although the latter appeared to be more civilized, like the rules of prison, (laughs) to imprison rather than torture, Foucault question, Foucault questions rather, uh, the intentions, what he's going to say, like, I don't know if your intentions really were to, you know, punish less and not instead to punish better. Because from the looks of it, it looks like you've just, you, you, you've embarked on something that's completely radically different and perhaps subliminally more detrimental than just drawing and quartering a motherfucker. Believe it or not, that's even possible. Okay. And, uh, He's going to tell us, I, I, I kind of feel as though the whole point wasn't to be more progressive, but to just be better at torturing motherfuckers. And he's going to credit this second stage with being what he refers to as 
the catalyst that inevitably led to of the full-blown development of the modern systems of discipline, quote-unquote, right? For those of you who are only listening along. Uh, he's going to tell us specifically then uh, there's four distinct contrasts between pre-modern and modern, and modern approaches to discipline, right? So the first one is, he tells us, that punishment is no longer a public display, right? It's no longer this spectacular demonstration to all of the sovereign's irresistible force majeure, if you will, okay? what All that is just fancy French shit for the ability to unbind oneself from the social contract, okay? The social contract theory is what Western culture is built upon, right? And basically what it boils down to is that the sovereign provides protection for the subjects in exchange for safety. So the subjects, their interest, even though there's more subjects than one sovereign, they have a vested interest in maintaining the sovereign because the sovereign will protect the subjects. And in exchange, right, all the sovereigns got to, all the subjects got to do is give their sovereign their loyalty. That's the fucking foundation of Western culture. It's what's happening here in the United States of America under the guise of democracy, right? And uh, the force majeure then is the ability to unbind oneself from the social contract, specifically the king, that's the sovereign, the president, whatever. Motherfuckers doing this shit all the time. They act above the law and say like, Rules for thee, not for me type shit, okay? So uh, when it comes to this punishment, it's no longer this public display, right? Because uh, the sovereign can't just explicitly draw and quarter motherfuckers. There's a, uh, uh, the, the right to no cruel and unusual punishment, supposedly here in the United States of America, right? It's, although some will argue that, you know, uh, isolation, uh, that's a form of cruel and unusual punishment, but whatever. The sovereign is no longer above the law, essentially. The second rule that Foucault tells us about that's changed is that what is punished is no longer the crime per se, but the criminal instead. And that the concern of the law is not so much now about what the criminals have done as to what has led the criminal to do it. So environmental factors, hereditary uh, uh, factors, parental actions, etc. Like we focus less on the actual crime itself and more on the the, the conditions that led to the crime, okay? The third thing he tells us is that those who determine the precise nature and duration of punishment are no longer judges. And this is where it starts to get fucking interesting, especially for our modern times, dog. in my personal opinion. You might beg to differ, but whatever, right? He tells us again, just to reiterate, that those who determine the precise nature and duration of the punishment are no longer the judges who impose penalties in conformity with the law, but the quote-unquote experts, homeboy, the psychiatrists, the social workers, the parole boards, the doctors, and so on, the educated, if you will, the people from they school that get to determine the fucking punishments now, right? This is why motherfuckers, this, the left is always complaining about this anti-intellectualism, but they, don't, they fail to see how their intellectualism is actually a, a, a low-key form of authoritarianism, right? Uh, and in this particular sense, he's telling us like these quote unquote fucking professionals get to decide how to implement these indeterminate judicial sentences now. And like, what the fuck, what authority do they have? What authority does Bill Gates have to tell you when the fuck you can't go outside to tell you that you need a fucking uh, vaccine or not, dog? Fuck you and your billions of dollars. You ain't shit, dog. Your little expertise title in the fucking alleged world of computing don't mean shit, motherfucker. The same is true for Foucault. When it comes to psychiatrists specifically, because he himself is a psychiatrist, right? And I'll talk all about that later on in a different episode of the podcast. But for now, 
We'll move along and state that for the fourth differentiation between modern and pre-modern forms of discipline, he's going to tell us that the avowed purpose of punishment is no longer retribution, okay? <laughs> what I mean by that is that it's, it's no longer about either wanting to deter others for the sake uh, of no longer committing the crime or for the sake of pure justice. Instead, what, pre, or what modern discipline has become is about reforming and rehabilitating, okay? It's about the reformation and the rehabilitation of the criminal. <laughs> now, obviously, okay, this is a very, this is a very fine line. Dog. He's, he's, he's dancing a very fine line. And unfortunately for us, the motherfuckers who came after him, they just, they just completely went off the edge, dog. like straight the fuck up, right? And before I get into the how, let's just, let's just keep going a little bit with this Foucauldian philosophy, right? Notice, he's not saying that not tearing people apart isn't an advance because he'll be like, yeah, dog, drawing and quartering, it's fucked up. And as long as, you know, that's, it's progress, it's progress in that respect, right? He's simply stating that there is a darker side to this quote unquote allegedly gentler side or rather this gentler form of punishment that needs to be accounted for. Namely, the tendency to lean towards total control. And that's what I'm talking about. These motherfuckers just went completely over the edge. Those motherfuckers that came after him, at least for all his faults, this fucking asshole, Foucault, he had the awareness to be able to realize that, yo, this is some pretty, this is a very thin line we're dancing here, and it can lead to outright total control, okay? Now, specifically, what he's going to tell us is that the ability to lose sight of this, it's made possible by the switch from brutal but unfocused physical punishment to less painful but more intrusive psychological control. So while pre-modern punishment is satisfied with the retribution gained via the violent pain of physical assault of the physical assault on the quote-unquote criminal body, modern punishment demands, it demands an inner transformation, dog. Oh my God, like just talking about this shit, it makes you realize just how fucked we are as a society, bro. This modern punishment, it demands an inner transformation, an outright conversion of the heart, to use Foucauldian language, right, to a new way of life. This is, again, I got to emphasize, he's not the one advancing it. It's the motherfuckers that came after him in his footsteps and said, oh, yeah, this motherfucker got some good points. Let's use this shit to fucking lead to total outright control and domination. That is like, this is some straight up Orwellian two plus two equals five shit, dog. And it's exactly what these allegedly progressive, radical lefty fucks are demanding, yo. When they're trying to micromanage us and fucking trying to coerce us and bully us into their fucking, their, their ideologies, their epistemologies and shit, yeah? And worse yet, this, this is a subtle control, according to Foucault, of the soul, right? And it's even more subtle and pervasive. Uh, 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 it's an even more subtle and pervasive attempt to control the body. Since the point, the whole point of changing psychological attitudes and tendencies is ultimately the desire to control bodily behavior, okay? Clan members, dog, they're not going to be running around lynching brown and black folk if you can get them to change their psychological belief towards either one, which obviously is fucking fantastic. I don't disagree with that in principle, however, right? Because while it's fantastic to want to reform quote-unquote criminals, these same practices, Foucault tells us, will inevitably find their way into other modern sites of control, such as schools, hospitals, 
factories, militaries, etc., and so on, okay? Until ultimately, they become the de facto society in which we're living in, dog. Again, y'all, prison fucking planet. Prison motherfucking planet. It's because of this. This prison culture ultimately pervades all of society. And that's why I'm talking about from the very beginning. Like Western European culture cannot. It just cannot. It's not going to liberate us, dog. I'm sorry. Okay, you're going to have to step aside and let fucking other people take the reins. Because y'all motherfuckers will always collapse to ultimate control, right? This prison motherfucking planet. I cannot emphasize it enough. Or more importantly, to use the Foucauldian language. A carceral archipelago. That's fucking Foucault, dog. It's not a conspiracy. That's fucking Foucault, right? This carceral archipelago, or to be less swanky about it, prison motherfucking planet. Take the military, for example, bro. Back in the day, the primary concern was to first acquire good resources, like strong men with good bearing, military bearing, right? Uh, men with natural courage and so on. And then motivating them through pride and fear to act in accordance to your desires. In modern disciplinary <laughs> control systems, fucking none of that matters, dog. I've seen soldiers walking around this bitch here in El Paso. You would, I, you would never be, you would never think twice to consider that they're fucking cold-blooded killers, yo. And the reason why is because in modern disciplinary control systems, this, this training, you don't need fucking, you don't need strong men with good military bearing, dog. The training has morphed instead to simply making ordinary people be willing and able to kill the quote-unquote enemy, right? Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it's no longer a matter of physical and natural strength. Like the little soy boys running around. There ain't nobody fucking afraid of a soy boy, dog. Come on, they can't even open their little fucking the container to a little soy drinks, okay? But when they do become dangerous, right, is when they've entered into the system of systematic training, Okay, and now we'll focus on the soldiers here, for example, because think about it in terms of boot camp, right? What it produces, military boot camp, right? By way of this intense specialized training, right? It ultimately creates these agents of the state, again, state with a capital S, the United States government, right? Uh, who are willing to carry out the desires of the state, okay? So what makes disciplinary training distinct, Foucault's going to tell us, is that it operates first not by seeking to directly control the body as a whole, but by a detailed control of specific parts of the body, dog, by micromanagement. You can already see how these lefty liberal progressive fucks, right? These little fake woke social justice warriors that are demanding outright adherence to this absurd fucking uh, reality that they've constructed for themselves are starting, the, the roots, are, the, the seeds are starting to be uh, laid, okay? Um, to continue the example of the military, they don't just, they don't just give you a gun, dog, and they don't just tell you where to shoot it anymore. Okay. They give you a gun and a fucking precise series of ordered steps of how to care for your gun, how to break it down and reassemble it, how to raise that motherfucker to your shoulder, how to hold it, how to shoot it, how to sight it, how to pull the trigger and so on. It's broken down into detailed, detailed steps and processes, dog. Okay. Uh, and Foucault's going to argue that the same is true of modern discipline and that the, the ultimate aim is to create what he refers to ultimately as docile bodies. That's what these motherfucking lefty liberals want, dog. They want ultimate control and power. They want docile bodies that do exactly what they say in accordance to these detailed sequence of fucking ridiculous proposition. They don't give a fuck about intention. They give a fuck about whether or not you are conforming, Okay. 
They want you to do, they want bodies that, this is why it pisses me the fuck off for a variety of reasons when I read academic papers and they refer to us indigenous folks as nothing more than brown bodies, you know, as black bodies, etc. Like, this is what the fuck they're talking about, dog. They want control over these bodies, right? This is what the fuck I'm talking about when I say lefty liberal academic fucks. They're, they're just as, sub, they're just as racist as their conservative counterparts. And at least their conservative counterparts had the fucking balls to say like, yeah, we think we're superior to you and that we should, you know, uh, control you. These lefty liberal fucks, they want docile bodies. They want all the control and none of the responsibility inherent with realizing that you're a fucking racist piece of shit, dog. Okay. And, uh, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what they want. That's exactly what they want, dog. And they've fucking managed to brainwash all these little quote unquote brown bodies, if you will, if you want to use their language, all these fucking indigenous folk, dog, to doing their bidding. That's what I'm talking about. Like, it don't matter. You can, <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's no white people, dog. You have, as long as you have, uh, brown and black people with the same Western cultural values, like the fucking, this, this shit ain't going to change, dog. Obama was never going to fucking bring any change, dog. Kamala Harris is never going to bring any change. And I don't give a fuck what Mexican American quote unquote lady you put up in office. She ain't going to bring no change either. As long as she's upholding the same Western cultural Judeo-Christian value, dog. Okay. Which is why, again, I cannot help but continue to laugh at all of it, dog. These little bitch ass fake woke social media justice warriors. The little fucking sad-ass snowflake conservative right folks. Like, it's all just a giant joke, dog. Right? Anyways, going back to this Foucauldian philosophy. These docile bodies, he's going to tell us. They're created through three distinctively modern means. That was two. Sorry. <laughs> three distinctive. I was, for those of you listening on audio only, I was holding up two fingers, but it's three, dog. Okay? Um, uh, it's formed through three distinctively modern means. The first of which is hierarchical observation, right? Which is based on the obvious fact that people can be controlled simply by observing them, right? Uh, this power has been further amplified, Foucault tells us, in modern society, right? Because in pre-modern society, we had like architecture and shit. They, they had architecture that was designed to both provide vantage points to observe the subjects or to use against potential threats, as well as to, you know, just display the opulence of those who lived within them. But now, you know, now, now what happens, according to Foucault, is that this architecture is designed to, quote unquote, and I'm sorry I have to keep saying this, right? I'm, I'm trying to be considerate <laughs> of the fucking people who are listening uh, only, uh, okay? So I, it annoys me, but I'm trying to just let you know that when I say certain shit, it's not me saying certain shit, it's these motherfuckers saying certain shit, right? Uh, it's to design to render the invisible visible, right? So an example of this is to think of well-lit lecture halls in classrooms. There's this fucking hilarious-ass meme where students are taking a quiz and they caught the fucking photo of their teacher hiding out in the, on the roof, dog, of all places, just to make sure that no one's fucking, that no one was cheating, okay? That's prison motherfucking planet, baby. Who gives a fuck about some stupid-ass quiz in a K-12 education? Anyways, <clears throat> whether it's a classroom dog, a hospital room, barracks, factory floors, it doesn't matter, dog. It's all designed in a way that makes it possible for the watchers, if you will, to know, quote unquote, these docile bodies within, okay, and to alter their actions if need be. Now, importantly, what Foucault is going to tell us is that the principle of control is not the fact that one is being observed, but rather the possibility thereof, Okay. Um, this is basically the gist of the Panopticon. The Panopticon is a famous prison design where there's a guard tower in the middle with windows all around it that are blackened out from the outside so you can't see in, but they can see out, right? And then the, the, the prison is built in a circle around uh, the Panopticon, this giant structure in the middle, which, you know, it, it's every, every prisoner is facing the Panopticon, so they have the idea that, that lingering in their mind that they could be seen at any moment, but they don't know when, Okay. 
Um, and this is so when you hear in philosophy the panopticon, this is what they're talking about, right? This panopticon it induces a state of consciousness and permanent visibility that assures the automatic functioning of power. Like no one even has to be there to assert the power. This is basically dog. Like <laughs> in Matrix talk, if you will. We are all the agents, bro. We are all agents to others and we are all agents to ourselves. Okay. Me personally, dog, like I like to think I'm a hood motherfucking philosophy, bro. I'm fucking genius can be, dog. But when I log off on this motherfucker, when I'm here podcasting, when I'm on social media, even me myself with no fuck given, dog, I am very mindful of the things that I can and cannot say, dog. Motherfuck freedom of speech, bro. There is culturally speaking such powerful influences at play that even in the comfort of my own home, Right when I'm by myself, I think to myself, "Oh shit, I can't be thinking that. I can't be saying that. That's a naughty no-no word." Right? You got to be mindful of other people's fucking feelings and whatever. Like, what the fuck? There's no one even here, dog. There's no one here to judge me. I can go off on these wild ass tangents. I can say the most fucking outlandish, obscene shit in the privacy of my own home. But even then, the power functions in such a way where it's it's in our mind. You know what I'm saying? It's it's assuring the automatic functioning of power, the panopticon. When you're posting on social media, you think you're invisible. Fuck no, the fact checkers are right there, dog. The fact checkers are right there looking at your stupid ass and what the fuck you're posting to ensure that it falls within the guidelines of community standards or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? The the agents are everywhere, dog. It's you and me. It's everyone else. Anyways, the second distinctive feature of pre-modern, dis- or rather of modern disciplinary control is its concern with normalizing judgment. And this is where shit just like... When I was rereading this shit, when I was doing the research for it, I was just like, bro, what the fuck? It's just, you know, there's just so many different ways, philosophically speaking, by which you can read what the cultural events are currently. And it's just, this is just one of them that is so so poignantly clear that it's almost laughable that people are, you know, baffled as to how it emerged or to how to overcome it. How do you overcome it? You're telling the fuck off, dog. I'm not playing this mental gymnastics fucking chess bullshit with you where I'm trying to fucking navigate within the space that you fucking created, this obscenely absurd space of how to fucking interact with people that you've created. I'm not doing it, dog, right? That's where I'll give Jordan Peterson his props for saying the same. Like, fuck these progressive lefty liberal fucks and their stupid purple hair, right? This normalizing judgment, dog, what it means is that individuals are no longer judged based off intrinsic rightness or wrongness of their acts, but rather on where their actions place them on a ranked scale that compares to everyone else. (laughs) So basically... It, this is the germinal seed, yo, for social credit scores and the, the catalyst for woke culture. So you can fucking sit here and tell me that philosophy and conspiracy theories there have nothing in common, but I'll continue to tell you to fuck off because I'm telling you, like, it's right there, dog. This is carceral archipelago, dog. The fucking catalyst for the germinal seeds for these social credit scores saying that you are a good citizen, you are a bad citizen, right? The catalyst for the woke culture saying that you are not fucking oppressed as much as I am oppressed, the oppression Olympics or whatever, right? Foucault's going to tell us specifically that, you know, children, they don't just learn to read anymore, dog. They're fucking placed into percentile groups, okay, that match them to their peers, right? The same is true for their physical attributes. You're in the top 50 percentile of reading abilities. You're in the top 10 percentile of height. All that kind of bullshit, right? Restaurants, they can't just be good anymore. Like, yo, that's a dope-ass restaurant. Restaurants, they have to be four-star restaurants. They have to be top 10 in the city. They have to be a fucking, you know, on a recommended chef's list or whatever tourist sites dog they can't just be like yo this is a dope place to go visit they have to be fucking like this is the top 10 recommendation site of the whole world okay uh the same is true for just every facet of reality dog our body weight our sexual partners or any other of these fucking typical western christian higher hierarchical nonsense that they these western christian people value right 
And this is what is particularly pervasive is that there is no escaping it. Foucault is going to tell us. He's going to say, like, there's no escaping it, dog. Because irrespective of what level of achievement of wokeness, if you will, that you gain, the scale will always show that there is a higher level possible. Okay? You can't be too woke, bro. And eventually, even the black, disabled, trans lesbian is going to fall short on the scale. That's the one that is like at the top right now. If you are a black, disabled, trans lesbian, inevitably, you are going to fall short on the scale. In fact, just the other day, I saw one that was homeless. So it was a homeless, black, disabled, trans lesbian. So now they have fucking privilege over the rest of them. You know what I'm saying? And it's just going to keep... It's just going to keep amplifying more and more because no matter where this Foucaultian philosophy tells us, no matter where you go, no matter what level you're at, there's always going to be something to measure yourself to, right? And because of that, there's no fucking escaping it, dog. There's no escaping the, 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 this pervasive uh, effect of, pre- of modern society, right? And then lastly, lastly, he's going to tell us, there is the examination, which combines both the hierarchical observation with the normative judgment. Now, this part right here, dog, like in the interest of full disclosure, this in itself, yeah, it's just, it's so much, dog, okay? It's this whole last other element to everything that I've been talking about, right, uh, thus far, including much of his, like I already mentioned before, Foucault's previous established work in psychiatry and shit, right, as well as, like, uh, archaeology. Uh, so, <laughs> these are all just giant, giant topics, dog. And in an effort to, you know, give them all their due credit as well as to show appreciation for your fucking attention that you've given me thus far. I'm just going to end it here for today, right? And, you know, promise that I'll finish up with this inevitably at some point, right? But for now, I just, you know, thanks for tuning along this long. And uh, yeah, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And I'll see you next time. Peace.